This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And good afternoon. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden on the Bo Snurdly Rush Hour here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I take you up until 5 o'clock, and then John Katz and Pete comes in with Cats at Night. You can listen to us on the radio or on the app. I was waiting there for a minute because usually there's the intro when they said, attention, ditto heads, and that kind of stuff. So they're doing anything they can to kind of put me through kind of the new guy test here. It's, it's really great to be filling in for the great James Golden Um He's been very kind to let me sit in for him while he's been on vacation. I appreciate the confidence the folks have put in me. Doing daily, as I have said all week, doing a daily show is very different than once a week on the weekends. And the, the feedback has been excellent. People have been letting me know at, at Rep Wiener or WienerWABC at gmail.com or on the Facebook page or just calling in at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A lot of news. We are going to get to our daily segment that we've been doing all day all week, rather, one a day, the arguments of 2022. Today we're going to do crime, but we're going to try to do it in a little bit of a different way. We've got Rich helping me on the other side of the glass and Ava taking your calls. Uh, lots of news. The Rangers lost a great, exciting game, a battle of two Russian goalies last night against Tampa, 2-1. to one. Alexis Lafreniere on the bench, healthy scratch. they got to figure out what to do with him. I mean, this guy was supposed to be a generational talent. By the way, I already see I already see you guys rolling their eyes through the glass. Yeah, you know, Chad, Chad Lopez is the great general manager around here and kind of runs the organization. He says, feel free to talk about sports, but why can't you talk about hockey? I'm like, people love hockey. He says, even on sports radio, people don't talk about hockey. So I'm going to take that advice, like so much that I've been giving around here. They know better than I. Biden signed the big omnibus bill, 4,000 pages of it. They flew it down to the U.S. Virgin Islands. I think St. Croix is where the president is so he can sign it. I never quite thought about it. That is the way, I guess, stuff has to happen, right? They need an actual physical signature on a physical bill. It's funny. I once had President Clinton came to the Forest Hills Jewish Center to do an event about Social Security when I was the congressman in Forest Hills. And he had to take a call. I don't know from who. It wasn't really clear to me what business he was doing. But they set up this little, like, they needed a whole room to set up, like, a little mini White House for him, a little a little desk, a little chair. Not a little one. I mean, a presidential one. They had to bring in all of this stuff. So he signed that bill. 4,000 4, pages. So they needed a big plane to bring it down. You've been hearing all day they released Donald Trump's taxes. I'm not... I'm not really into this, to be honest. Uh, you know, I've heard some of the takes all day. I think I kind of agree with them, the ones that have said... This is not great. I mean, let's let's be fair. You know, some of it, I think Rich might have the cut. Some of it um, is, you know, he did say he was going to release them. He did say that. And but and some of it is, I think there is the idea 
that whenever someone doesn't tell the truth, whether it's Biden, whether it's Santos, whether it's Trump, whether it's a member of Congress, whether it's me, even if it doesn't matter all that much or you think it's unfair, you should report that he, he didn't tell the truth. But D- Donald Trump did did ask for them to be released. Take a listen. A lot of other taxes, but I'm asking you the specific question. Is it true that you paid $750 in federal income taxes each tax understand all that. But, but I'm me, a, no, Mr. President, I'm asking you a question. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017? Millions of dollars. You paid millions of dollars? Millions in, of dollars. So yes. not seven hundred Millions of dollars. And you'll get to see I, it. I, and you'll get to when? see it. Yeah, so that's 2020. Like this whole idea, well, he got elected and no one cared. That's 2020. He did say it. He did not tell the truth about that. I'll wait. I'm, I'm going to read the stories about his taxes, but I do think it's kind of unfair. It's not so much. I mean, I, I kind of believe I buy the argument that this is a slippery slope. I do. I do think it is. You know, we have to figure out where the, the, the bottom is of like stuff we're not doing for tit for tat and releasing taxes does seem to be. Now, Biden did release his tax. Well, every president released their tax since, I think, 1958. I think, you know who actually started this? According to one article I read, Mitt Romney's dad, George Romney, when he ran for president. I always did it, but I did it for a different reason. I did it to show that I had no money. And I also, when I was going to run against Mike Bloomberg, I always did it to put pressure on him to release his taxes. He never did. He released like a summary of it. Um, also in the news, um, oh, by the way, the one thing that I did see, it's going to take some time for the tax to be sorted out. And I heard Dominic Carter talk about, oh, my God, this is so – there's sometimes they're very complicated. Well, no. The top pages are very simple. We all do the top pages. It's all the schedules and stuff like that. And the top pages for Donald – DJT Holdings, which is the holding company for all of Donald Trump's um, companies, 30, uh, in, in 2015 lost $34 million, 2016 lost $64 million, 2017 lost $57 million, 2018 lost $53 million. 2019 lost 43 million. 2020 lost about 60 million. Total 313 million dollar losses in a 600 million dollar company. He's not a great he's not a great businessman. I mean, that's the thing. You know, all of us who grew up here in New York know this about you know his reputation in New York is not being a great. He's not a good businessman, but. I think some of this is just to embarrass him that way, and so let's just leave it there. I, I mean, if people want to call him and talk about it, I, I'm not really interested in dwelling on it. 800-848-WABC. I do believe that they shouldn't have done it. Um, and then yesterday, the thing that we talked about briefly has really been gnawing at me, this legal cannabis store. I watched some of the coverage of the opening of the cannabis store, and this is going on around the country. It's not just a New York thing. Our attitudes have changed about marijuana, and I firmly believe that marijuana should have been decriminalized, and I, meaning it should not be a crime to have it. I firmly believe that too many people went to jail just because they had a pot in their pocket, a pot in their pocket or something like that. Um, I do believe that there are medicinal purposes and that for that reason, we should not have it as a Schedule One narcotic. Right now, it's listed by the FDA as a Schedule One narcotic, meaning you can't Study it. You can't possess it. You can't transfer it over state lines. You can't do anything with it. So I think that should be changed. This headlong rush into selling it just like you sell a can of beer, it seems dangerous. It seems wrong to me. And I, you know, I did, I did a, an episode of The Middle, which is a show I do on Saturdays from 2 to 3. You know, I'm, out of, I'm not a 
a politician anymore. I, I admit it's been, you know, I talk to constituents now on the radio when, when they call and when they stop me on the street. So maybe I've lost a little bit of feel for what New York citizens care about. But I think that to see politicians, my city councilwoman, posting on social media, standing up outside the store, joking around holding pot edibles, cheering like giddy children at the opening of this is a this is a drug that could be very dangerous. I mean, this was the gateway drug that ultimately led to my brother's death, I believe. This was where he started. I mean, We've got to understand that that is not a this isn't a game and and I get if we want to come up with policies and and our our lawmakers think that we should have policies to start selling this stuff now, but I don't know why it's it was the number one story on the news. We broke in for it. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time on it. We broke in. Curtis went down. There. You know, they had twenty cameras down there. It made national news. They did it at four twenty to be cute. I'm troubled by this. I mean, I'm troubled by this. I did say yesterday it was 18. It was it's 21. Um, I just don't think we know enough. I don't think we've asked all the questions. And I and I don't care what anyone says. That's not true. Someone said that to me yesterday. That's not a good thing to say. When you're a talk radio host, you should not say the sentence, I don't care what anyone else says. I do care what other people say. But I believe that as Jordan, who's 11, is growing up in an environment where people are walking. He's asking me, what's that smell? He's walking by legal, illegal shops. He's looking by giant gleaming head shops that there's no way that they're making their they're making their rent, you know, selling six packs and bongs. They're making their rent back. They're selling marijuana illegally. It's hard for me to explain what the public policy is. Now, I will tell you, I was in prison, in a federal prison. I saw guys that were in there for 15, 20, 30 year bids because They got them on, you know, they had possession charges against them, but they piled them on top of, you know, some of them a third strike, a a third strike guy that I know his third strike was having possession of marijuana, I think, in a federal building or something like that. So that's wrong. And all the stop and frisk stuff, show us your, you know, show us your, you know, what you have in your pockets. And if you had any marijuana that gave them, they could run you through the system. I'm just, I, I find it, I find it troubling. Um, and I think there are too many things we don't know. How about this for something we don't know? Guy or woman shows up here at WABC smelling of marijuana. Um, and John Cantapetitis wants to fire him. He's then firing him for consuming a legal product. What if someone's driving in an automobile and a police officer pulls them over and smells marijuana? How do you, what's the test for impairment? We don't have one. We don't have a test for impairment. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to figure out. I mean, and I just think the thing that really got me on this subject was not so much the underlying thing. Because as I've said, I think there are reasons to, be, to, to think that legal cannabis might not be a terrible idea. It's just how I believe the politicians who are racing to celebrate this are, are – I think they're misunderstanding where regular New Yorkers are, where even progressive – you know, hippie New Yorkers are. I think that most people understand that you, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know what the analogy is. It's, I guess it's kind of like liquor, but it's like it could be even more problematic. And look, I have a background 
you know, I have addiction in my history. I, I, I've seen people who have struggled and I guess maybe I'm extra sensitive for that reason. But I also think that my party or the party that I used to, you know, that I, I, I always ran as a Democrat. I vote Democratic. I, I, I registered as a Democrat. I think they're, I think we're misunderstanding. We're not, they're, they're, you know, progressives like law and order also. <laughs> progressives don't like to get mugged also. And that brings us to what our topic of the day is, is going to be. When we get back from our break, um, we're going to do what I've been calling the arguments of 2022. It's going to – actually, the, the, argue, the, the discussions of legal cannabis give us a good jumping off point. I'm here all day. It's Anthony Weiner in, in for James Golden. I'm here not all day. I'm here all, all week. Um, this is the – the last episode of the year. I'm really excited to be here with you. If you'd like to get on the board, 800-84-WABC. Ava will take care of you. I'm going to take you to 5 o'clock when we have cats tonight, and we'll see you on the other side. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Bo Snurdly Rush Hour. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today until 5 o'clock when John Katsimatidis comes in with his top-rated drive time show, Cats at Night. We're talking about uh, the thematic things of the year. Everyone's doing their wrap-up shows, the top this, the top that. What I'm doing is, this week, the top arguments or the top debates or the top interesting things that we've argued back and forth about. And I'm doing one a day, and we have a great sounder that goes with it. Rich, we've got a great sounder. This is 2022 in review. You know, it's funny. I, <laughs> I've i been talking about this sounder all week, and I've gotten a couple of emails and snark about it. I said, they're not, it's not that – it's good, but it's not so great. But anyway, so we, we did – we did Hunter Biden's laptop because I'm obsessed with it as the first one on Monday. We did inflation, the true causes of inflation. We did immigration yesterday. And in between, we did Donald Trump. Is he up? Is he down? And today we're going to do crime. I was hoping to have the mayor on for the show, but I think his police commissioner is going to go on with John at 5 o'clock, which will be very interesting because she doesn't speak. Well, she's not very you know, forward-facing. Like the, the mayor does most of it. And the way I thought to go into it was we can talk about the crime statistics and they're – Leveling off a little bit. Shootings are down. Homicides are actually down from a year ago. Arrests are way up. Transit crime is down about 13%. But a lot of things like robbery, burglary, assault, grand larceny are way up. Overall crime is up. It's coming down. It's not as bad as it was. It's starting to ebb a little bit. It's kind of like inflation in that way. And then I thought, well, we can argue a little. We can put on this list, should DAs be fired or put on the list, um, no cash bail, 
But I decided to come out a little bit different way, and I want your patience on this. I want you to hear me out. And by the way, if you'd want to talk to those things as well, they're on the subject. They're on the subject of crime, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You know, when I was in in Congress, I was the sponsor of the COPS program to increase the number, the the amount of federal uh, funds that came to cities and states to be able to hire their own COPS. I passed the bill to double the death benefit for firefighters. I was a fairly tough on crime guy. I was pro-death penalty for much of my career. But I think that we're at a moment in time that the left and the right are starting to come closer and closer together on the fundamental issue of crime. And I'll tell you what I mean. Is that when we give FBI agents, cops, prosecutors, judges, um, attorney generals, IRS agents, when we give people badges and authority in our government, we should be very, very suspicious and very, very careful. Liberals and conservatives both believe in kind of this fundamental idea of protecting our civil rights from the state, making sure that the state doesn't overreach. And sometimes that is in the area of just regular crimes on the street. Back in July, three men that were convicted as teenagers in 1995 and had served 30 years in prison were exonerated when it turned out that that there was misconduct on the part of the officers and the prosecutors involved. That there are every year hundreds of people like that that get exonerated and it turns out it was because a prosecutor who had been misconduct or Police officers had, had had misconducts or planted, you know, there were 66 of the of the 2400 exonerations between 1989 and 2019. Um, 66 of them were planted drugs or gun evidence. So those are just the ones we know about, you know. And then you have this FBI instance where now Republicans used to be Democrats, but now it's Republicans are very critical of the FBI because they feel that they're overreaching. And I have some personal experience with this. I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know the, the particulars of what's going on now. I, I think that I think by and large police officers, by and large judges, by and large prosecutors, by and large FBI agents are doing the right thing. A thousand former – did I see this right? A thousand former FBI agents wrote a letter. No, it couldn't have been a thousand. But it was a lot of former FBI agents – oh, no, a thousand. There was a thousand-page report put out by the Republicans in the House of Representatives – about concerns about the FBI. I know the FBI, by sitting on the information, I you know I had a, a laptop that was seized. They sat on that information. They said there was stuff on the Comey said stuff. There was thousands of documents that turned out to be like a handful. They waited to write before the election. We all have reasons to be suspicious of the FBI. But more important than the individual facts are I think we're kind of at this moment that when we on the left – and maybe you or your friends on the right, we look at law enforcement, we say, heck yeah. We should be asking a lot of questions. When a district attorney in Manhattan, who's elected, it's a little bit different when you're elected because you can always throw the guy out in the next election. We entrust them to make judgment calls about whether someone is going to be, a force of government is going to lock someone in a cage or not. We have judges who are apparently not accountable to enough people. You know, you know, a lot of people blame blame Eric Adams. A lot of people blame the 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 mayor. You know, that's just one part is arresting the guy. 
then you've got a district attorney who's got to charge them. You've got a judge that's got to make a ruling. You've got legislatures got to decide, do we want to hold people on Rikers Island for shoplifting? And right now, the legislature says no. Maybe they're right. I mean, I kind of believe how horrible things are at Rikers Island. Maybe they're not wrong. On the other side, you have FBI agents that, let's face it, how much true accountability have we had on the FBI going back to Hoover? They say, you know, there are many people that say he's targeting Donald Trump. I don't know. I mean, I, I, a lot of the evidence I see, like he actually kind of admits I took stuff that I wasn't, you know. But I, the reason I wanted to raise this issue is that I'm always on the lookout for this idea that if you take away the extremes, I mean, no one actually says defund the police. I mean, I haven't heard that out of an actual politician's mouth in the longest time. But take away the extreme who say, listen, I want to decarcerate. I want to close prisons completely and whatever. Just give everyone a a therapeutic massage when we catch them. And then on the other side, you know, who basically says that no matter what crime you commit, you should serve a 20-year sentence. Both are probably not right. I mean, I I kind of – and by the way, it's not just – you know, the the worm has turned on this. I mean, Donald Trump, 82 senators, the Fraternal Order of Police all voted for a bill, the First Step Act, that would um, the, the, that basically ter- reversed a lot of what Joe Biden's crime bill, bi- d- crime bill did in 1994. I mean, Mike Bloomberg, you know, we talk about stop and frisk. Let's remember something. Stop and frisk. There were, under Bloomberg, there were 5 million stops. 97% of the people that were stopped were let go on their way. No summons, no ticket. They didn't do anything wrong. Imagine being those people. So that's not the way to do it either. We should all be very suspicious of that. So I actually think as we sit here in 2022 and we look at the issue of crime and you put aside like the individual arguments, you know, how much should the sentence be for going into a Dwayne Reed? I actually think I... Had a somewhat a little bit of disagreement with John Katzmatis about this. He's like, yo, I don't care if you're going in robbing a, a loaf of bread. I care about the big stuff. And I'm like, no, I, the little stuff I care about a lot. I mean, I think there's too much of that too. But we can have disagreements about those types of things. But on the big issue of where we are as a country, I think we're now getting closer. And that is we are all becoming much more suspicious of authority. IRS agents. You know, um, just name it. I mean, anyone who's got a badge. They're not bad people. I'm, I was one of the most pro-cop guys in, in the Democratic Party. I was always endorsed by the, by the unions representing officers, and I'm proud of it. I was the, I, I, you know, I was always on the, the, I was on the, the Judiciary Committee doing, doing, you know, one of the guys that would broker deals with the, with the Republicans because I was more of a centrist on a very liberal committee. That's not what this is about. Being suspicious of law enforcement is what we should be. That's in our guts as Americans, that we don't want a powerful government that comes in and takes our individual freedoms away. But I will say this, and I want to hear what you have to say. We can't pick and choose. We can't say, I believe that this law enforcement agent is is pure and that one is evil. No, it's not like that. It's that. Whenever we give someone authority under the law, we should be suspicious and always err on the side of, 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 of giving things a second and third and fourth look. 
And that's what Republicans are saying about the FBI. That's what many Democrats are saying about law enforcement. That's what everyone seems to be saying about the district attorneys right now. I mean, look, we want justice. We don't want more people being arrested. We don't want less people being arrested. We want justice. And that's a tough thing to get. So we do the very best that we can. Sometimes we elect judges. Sometimes we let our president choose. And like, you know, look, I was prosecuted under Donald Trump, under Bob Barr. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. I accept full responsibility for, for what I did. It's accountability. It's part of my it's part of my being healthy is not having resentment, period. The first person ever it's brought up on federal charges for obscenity. But that doesn't mean that my Republican friends are right that the FBI is rotten from the top down or that when my friends on the left say, oh, the, you know, I, 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 I don't trust any police officer, I think that we should support our police. We should support the FBI. We should support law enforcement. We support all people who work for our government. But we should keep a close eye on them. There's got to be accountability. So that's my summary of the argument that we had this year in the place that I am which is I'm, I'm trying to find places in the middle that we can kind of come to an agreement on. Um, I'm less sure of things that I used to be, maybe because I've seen more nuance now, particularly since I've been through this system. So let me know what you think. 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. We're talking about the issues, the arguments, the fights, the debates we've had in 2022 through a lens of what are the things we can agree upon. On the other side of the break, we'll be taking your calls. Thanks for being along with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Bo Snurdly Rush Hour. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. Going to take you to 5 o'clock when Cats at Night comes in. So, two days ago... I played, uh, Rich played uh, I Fought the Law version by The Clash, and I made this comment on the air that it's been covered about 200 times. I believe this is the original. I believe this is the Crickets, which is the original, I think, in answer to that, in answer to that email. So we're, we're, um, we're wrapping up the week here, wrapping up the year. It's been a great year. It's been a great year for me, not without some ups and downs, but it's been a great year. Let's go to the calls. I, it would not be a fill-in. I would not be filling in for James Golden if I didn't take at least one call from Cool Whip in the Bronx. Cool, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, how are you? Thank God. Um, I need. I want. <laughs> I wanted to say two things, and then you could uh, 
just respond to them. The first thing I want to say is I'm very impressed with you, as I'm sure as I'm sure a lot of people are. I mean, after your difficulties, which are not unique to you, but many people suffer cer- through certain things like this. I want to say, like, you know, I really, I'm, I am really um, astonished at how how well you uh, convey your message and how really middle you are. I mean, it's it, it's unique. You don't find that um, in politics or really really in the world these days how you are. I mean, fair. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, and I should tell you, Kuwip, I you know, I listen to James show. Your, your calls always bring something to the table. I appreciate the kindness you're showing me. But let's, let's, let's get to the news of the day. What, what, what points do you want to make? Okay. What I want to say is I, I, I think I, I was listening to you and you brought this up, and I was astonished. Uh, is, is, is it not true that with, uh, when, these, when these immigrants or elite, uh, you know, people who come in undocumented, uh, and they don't have, and they get a fake social security card. That when the you when the government finds out about it, they just don't put their money anywhere, and 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 that money gets put somewhere else. No, it's it's clear. Here's what happens. So if you have a fake social security card, and just every employer, I don't care. I mean, maybe not every employer, but ninety nine point nine percent of employers have some kind of a a management system for their employees, and, they, and it, they, you can't do it without a social security number. But what will happen is if you put in a fake one is they'll deduct social security taxes, but when it goes in, they don't let the employer know, and they don't return the money. It goes to the social security trust fund. You and I get it when we retire. It goes in social security trust. I know what the number is, but it's over like it's a billion. It's like a lot of money. And uh, that's one of the weird things about the system that needs to change. Now, one of the reasons that they do that is for money, just because it's the Treasury Department. They want whatever money they can get. Another reason that they do it is they don't really provide any way for an employer to really check if someone is fake or not. Like, so it's a it's a really it's it isn't a great system. Uh, Next, let's go to Lon in Washington Heights. Hey, Lon, thank you for joining us on this Boston Nerdly Rush Hour. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, I just just would like to say it's uh, a refreshing to hear you on the radio. Um, uh, unlike a lot of your colleagues, you, when somebody calls in misinformed, you patiently and respectfully, you know, give the give the truth. And it's it's just a really refreshing thing to have uh, on the air. And I hope we hear more of you. Uh, I thought your take on um, immigration yesterday was fantastic. Your uh, your your points of, of how how your four points are how, how to improve it uh with regards to uh the opening of the the marijuana shop yesterday of course it was a, a a news lead it was a big deal but you know soon that will pass and we won't hear anything about it millions of people have been smoking marijuana for decades and it, it is a gateway drug alcohol is a gateway drug but i i don't think it's going to be uh, something that suddenly creates hundreds of thousands or millions of more marijuana users uh, in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, and we have some. First of all, thank you for the very kind remarks, and thank you for calling. The, we do have some. The, the fact that we're, the fact is, we're a fairly late state to this, so there's other states that we can look at to learn from. And I think that it's an open question. You know, is this still a Schedule One narcotic? You still really – it's very difficult to study it because you're not allowed to like administer it as part of a study. That's, that's illegal. You can lose your medical license or if you're a college, you can lose your accreditation for doing it. 
it just seems to me that we don't know. Now, there is like, – like I said at the top, there are some states that have done this that we can look at and say, hmm, how's it going going for them? I think – and by the way, this is – I don't want to get us off on a tangent. I believe gambling is like – is this is the same way, sports betting. We – you know, enormous amount of revenue. Now New York is the number one online sports betting state in the country. And, and, and you know, uh, my son Jordan and I watch hockey games. I don't know if I mentioned to you guys I, <laughs> I like hockey. So we play this game. You get to choose do you want a beer commercial, a gambling commercial, or a uh, food commercial. And then, you know, so we just have something to kind of keep score like in between. And it's we stop playing after a while because they're all gambling commercials. <laughs> like that's all they are. I just think, Lon, that, that part of what we're doing here is not only are we giving it the state imprimatur, which is okay, but the enthusiasm without real caution that politicians are – you know, I, I, um, I was talking about this with Curtis before the show and he pointed out that Eric Adams was not – at, was not part of that yesterday. And I think that's smart because I think Eric Adams is recognized, and that's why he's on this air, these airwaves so much more. I think he's recognized that he is not that part of the electorate. His part of the electorate is the common sense middle. And so I'm just a little bit concerned about that. Um, let's go to Mark in Bayville. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you for calling. How are you? I'm well. Good. I got to tell you, I almost always disagree with you. But with respect to being cynical, there's two things I want to make a point on. One is the schedule of drugs, because I think you're mistaken. But uh, definitely be suspicious. And I think that the problem lies at the head. you got to cut the head off the snake. So we have our centralized government. The FBI should go to Akron, Alaska. We should put the IRS in Kentucky, separate them. And then we need to look at the people that manage. That's the problem. And with respect to the Schedule drugs, Schedule One drugs are total experimental. Schedule Two would be controlled dangerous substance. So you can give fentanyl for pain, marijuana for pain. It's a Schedule Two. A doctor can write a script for that. I know. Um, schedule One would be totally experimental. No, no, that's not the way. Schedule One are drugs that have no value or medicinal purpose. And we know that's not the we know it's not right, but that's the scheduling. You know, one of the things here's what the federal government should do. They should do two things right away. One, take it off of that designation so that people can then study it, transport it over state lines, et cetera. And two, they should change the law so that you can you can deal in commerce with it in the in our banking system. It's not a crime to like the proceeds, by the way, at that head shop. That I mean, the, I don't want to. I don't want to be glib about that. That cannabis dispensary can't be put into a regular bank. It's a crime. So there's some ways. I mean, we have to change. There's no. <coughs> forgive me. Marijuana is not as dangerous as heroin or fentanyl or, or these these other things. Um, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be dealt with that way. As far as, as Mark's other point, an excellent point about like the psychology of it. it it's not a cutting off a head at the. It, that's not the problem, in my view. My, I have as much problem as the individual rank and file guy who own, who owns uh, who holds a badge not being accountable. It's got to be all throughout. It's got to be all throughout. <laughs> and by the way, you know, we elect district attorneys. Some judges we elect, some that we don't. We elect legislators that 
um, make the laws on how much the penalties are going to be if you're caught doing a certain thing. There are accountability things in there, but there are some people that have very little accountability. The U.S. attorney that prosecuted me, I had no chance to vote for. Okay, yes, I did get a chance to vote for the president who then appoints the attorney general who then names these prosecutors, but they're accountable. We're just trusting them to do the right thing. Um, And the same way, the the head of the FBI is a 10-year term. (laughs) And it's made a 10-year term to make it somewhat independent. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, we have have very little accountability that way. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the perfect answer is. You know, there's this expression, we have the worst criminal justice system in the world, except compared to all the others. (laughs) I mean, these are not, these are not, um, these are not easy questions. Uh, let's go. There's some excellent calls on that. All right, George, go ahead. George in Rockland County, go ahead, my friend. Okay, so thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, pal. Uh, I, uh, I may be different than some of the other callers here. I don't think that you are in the middle. I think you're quite in the left. I also believe that it's more important for you the rights of the criminal than the right of the victim. And it comes clearly through all your uh, you know, conversation here. I would take an issue with you about uh, what you were talking earlier as far as people using an illegal Social Security. Those people shouldn't be here in the first place. So at least some of the money that's being collected goes to pay for people that are here legally here. Yeah, I I know, but George, I... you're, George, but that's, I, you're not contradicting anything I said. Those people, I, I, I mean, if you listen to the show yesterday, I do believe that those people should be paying a fine, and I still think they should go to the end of the line and everything else. I, I agree. Right now, I'm saying the system is not working. I don't know, George. I, 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 I thought you were going to bring with something specific that I said that you disagree with. Is there anything specific I said that you disagree with? Well, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many things, okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, and we don't have the time for all this, okay. I don't feel, uh, you know, like, for example, okay, law enforcement, whatever it is, okay, I think that law enforcement is, uh, before somebody is hired as a law enforcement person here, they're going through a gruel uh, way of making sure the person (coughs) is right. Listen, I, I agree with that, George, but that's true of the FBI as well. And that's true of the cop that planted the drugs, and that's true of the cop that's that's the the that's 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 the the, the, the that that pulls someone that saves someone's life or someone that chases down a bed. Yes, everyone starts out. I think our presumption has to be, and we we have to get to a break. Our presumption has to be, and this is true, I believe, of all government workers, but law enforcement as well. A presumption has to be we support them. They're doing difficult jobs, dangerous circumstances. They're protecting us from the great abyss. That should be our presumption, that they're honest, that they're hardworking, that they follow the rules, that they're making tough judgment calls every single day, that they're dealing with circumstances that we will never know unless we're in, the, in that line of business, that, that we're on that job. That, you know, you know I, um, I have a, a, a target near my home, and there's a fixed post there now. There's a cop that's just stationed there because they, people just walk out of there all the time. They were getting ravaged, whatever it is, by crime. And I watch what goes on there. Everyone under the sun stops and gives that police officer another thing to work on. And it's, you know, my everything from from the illegal pot shop, which is what I went to him about, 
to, you know, I'm angry at my mother-in-law. It is, they are, <coughs> pardon me, are, Rich, you got to show me where the cough button is on this bad boy. They are amazing servants of our city and of our country. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be accountable. And we'll take some more calls when we get back. It's Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. We're talking about crime. We're talking about the ways the left and right can get together on this issue. It's so great to have you along, and we'll see you on the other side. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Bo Certainly Rush Hour. Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. We're taking you for another 10 minutes or so to 5 o'clock in your cats at night. John Katzmatidis, I believe, today has the police commissioner, which is – he gets the best guess. You know, the police commissioner has not been around as much talking. Usually it's the mayor. I got an email from a listener saying, could you do less traffic and transit? It's so boring. I'm like – are you kidding? This is like why people tune in at drive time is frequently to know the best way out. I said, what neighborhood do you live in? And she responded, Burnham, England. She listens on the app. I'm like, well, we don't – that's – it's great to have you along, but you're not the – right down Main Street of our audience. So we're talking about crime. We're talking about the ways left and right should both be suspicious. We got some calls on the board. Some of them look very interesting. Uh, chief among them is Carl on the east side. Carl, you've got some firsthand experience with crime, huh? Sure, on the east side, Anthony, and uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be with you. I just want to say there are seniors that are getting robbed going to church and going to the senior center. Um, they're just trying to eat. They're just trying to live. And there's people on the street who are a little mentally unstable. Um, I know we've been in the city, my mother and I, for over, I've been 50 years. She's been 90 years and it is very challenging out there and it's challenging to live it's challenging and get by and you know you've got to give someone some authority to do something i want to know your thoughts but you know you've got to you've got to have some plan that's going to work and some of the plans that were in place did work it was not this bad and uh, the, as far as I just would also like to bring up what happened to Project Thrive and, and yeah. the mayor's wife. Yeah, Carl, you bring up some good points. I mean, here's the similarity. Carl, you, you said you've been in the city about 50 years. I'm 58 years old. I've seen I've seen some really bad crime waves, much worse than this, to be honest. I mean, let's just be honest about what the, the situation was in the 80s and 90s and the, and the situation that Mayor Giuliani inherited, for example. Here's the similarity that I see. The drug epidemic at the time was crack. Very small amounts of crack could be bought for very small amounts of money. So you would have people doing low-level crimes, stealing whatever they could to feed their crack habit. Today it's fentanyl, which also, you know, as I described, I did a whole episode on the fentanyl crisis. The these these thirty milligram fentanyl pills are cheap. They're only fifteen dollars because the, the the Mexicans have figured out ways to make them very cheaply. That's what's different. These low-level crimes are being – I think a lot of them are fueled by, by 
drugs. And that is not just a that's not just an enforcement issue. That's a prevention issue. That's a treatment issue and everything else. Now, that's small consolation. You mentioned Project Thrive. The idea if I were the mayor and I'm not and I'm not announcing that I am. If I were the mayor today, I would stand up and I, you know, you swore in some new cops today. I would add more cops, which is what Mayor Dinkins did when we turned around, you know, we with a safe street, safe city. A bunch more mental health workers that go out on the streets and deal with these people so cops don't have to deal with all of them. And then a bunch more correction officers to increase the capacity at Rikers to make it safe there. I don't think you can do just – I don't think you can treat everything as a crime problem. I don't think everything's a mental health problem. And I do believe that after a while you got to put people in prison. I mean I, that's, the, that's to me the bottom line. And I don't think that you can believe that any one – look – saying that we're going to forcibly remove the homeless from our streets, but saying the police department's going to be in charge of that, I guarantee you that someone who stands up and takes the oath and takes the badge and proudly says, I want to be a police officer, you know, is not thinking that their job is going to be to deal with drug-addled or perhaps, you know, mentally challenged homeless people all day. Um, On the other hand, if that drug-addled person snaps out of it, Goes into Dwayne Reed and grabs an armful of, of toothpaste to sell on the street on 14th Street. That guy's got to get arrested. And after a while, we got to put that person somewhere so they're, they're not doing it anymore. That's our responsibility as a society. And let me make one, one other point, then I want to want to say some gratitudes about the end of the year. We are not 30% of the population preying on the other 70%. John Cassimatini talks about this all the time. He has a number, 8,000 or something, whatever it is. It's a tiny number of people who are committing crimes. There are a tiny number of people who are, you know, dealing with drug addiction who are do, do or who are just bad people. There are a tiny number of people who are getting out of prison and going back and doing the same thing again. These are small numbers, okay? And we've got a lot of police officers, we've got a lot of prosecutors, and everything else. But ultimately, this is not an unsolvable problem. We do have precedent for how these things get solved. But you can't, you know, if all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And this is complicated. I am confident that the combination of the wisdom of the elected officials and the skill of the police officers and the judgment of the voters all can combine to solve these problems because we know as New Yorkers we've solved much worse. So listen, I only have a couple more minutes. I just want to thank all of you for listening in, for giving me an opportunity. I know I'm kind of – although I look a lot like James Golden, he and I have very different kind of styles and political viewpoints. I think he's one of the real greats on radio. I want to thank you for hearing me out. A bunch of people have called in and shared with me offline that the talk I did about about my recovery and my journey was helpful to them kind of dealing. I'm dealing with, with some people offline on this. People have called and been very generous with their ideas. I want to thank the folks here at WABC. You know, this was an amazing year for me because I have always been someone who talked for a living as a politician. Talking for a living on good radio is not the same thing as you've seen me stumble around. You, you can see how rough I am at the edges. I want to thank people like Rich and Ava and, and Chad and the other Rich and Curtis Lewa, who's been such a great mentor to me, and, 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 and Frank Morano, who's really helped me, to John and Margo Katsimatidis, who like gave me this opportunity. You know, I don't think that anyone is all one thing, and I don't think that anyone is all conservative or all liberal. I don't think all, anyone is all good or all bad. And one of the things that I've experienced in my life is I don't think that all – that I'm, I'm all politician or I'm all radio guy or all anything else. I'm learning. And all of you who participate in this most intimate of media, of radio, are helping me grow and to be a better person. Every day when I think about what my higher power is, it's the 
I believe that God talks to me through other people. And you, the listeners to WABC, have been an important part of my higher power, and I'm really grateful. And I hope that as you celebrate the end of the year, you give your family a hug, you think about the things you're grateful for, and you should know that at least one person has you on their gratitude list. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Stay tuned for Cats at Night. Uh, he has some great guests, and I will see you on. I'll see you tomorrow on the middle uh, at, at two o'clock. Thank you so much, and God bless. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.